Okay, let's uh, let's start. This will be a follow-up to our mini retreat that we had on last week. Jesus, the Lord chooses you. Say yes. What a blessing, indeed, it is to be able to view modern movie presentations of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The series called Chosen with Jonathan Rumi as principal actor, acting as Jesus has touched many lives, young as well as old. The series has as titled Chosen specifically for the reason that Jesus chooses the apostles one at a time to be his followers. He will eventually choose twelve to be his original group of apostles. Friends and followers. Each one of the twelve have an individual and personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Most of them are very simple men. In fact, a group of them are simple, hardworking, not very well educated, or cultured fishermen on Lake Galilee. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They definitely would not have won any Academy Awards and scientific discoveries, literary masterpieces, nor intellectual achievements. They were simple, hard-working, down-to-earth men and workers, but Jesus called them to be his followers. God's plans are not our plans. His ways of thinking is usually very different from our ways of thinking. These men, once transformed by the Holy Spirit, will end up by transforming the world. And all of them except one will die as a martyr, shedding their blood for belief and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, Jesus looks into your eyes and peers into your heart where you are right now. What he said to the apostles, he says right now to you, follow me. If you follow me, then you will be the mud and fishers of men and will have a place reserved for you in heaven. Are you ready and willing to accept the call that Jesus launches for you? You'd be willing to get into the boat to drop the nets for an abundant catch of fish. The Lord Jesus respects your freedom and is waiting for your response. He never coerces nor forces, but gently awaits our free response. What will it be? The following will be questions to respond to so as to get to know Jesus better, love him more ardently, and be willing to follow him more generously. Get to know and love the Lord Jesus. First question, name of Jesus. Where do we find the name of Jesus and what does the name mean? Okay, Phil, and the first would be 
name of Jesus, the Archangel Gabriel. The Archangel Gabriel announces the name of Jesus to Mary. So the Archangel Gabriel, you can put below Luke chapter 1. What does his name mean? And his name means he will save the people from their sins. Write that in there. He will save the people from their sins. So his name means Savior. Meeting him. Where is one place that we can meet Jesus and get to know him better? Where? Any of you know? In the tabernacle. In the tabernacle. So you go in the church, and notice behind the altar there's a golden box. Near the golden box there's a red light, okay? red lamp. And in that golden box, which is called tabernacle, you open up the door, and you've got ciborium, where you have the hosts that were consecrated in the Mass. That's where you encounter Jesus Christ. Well, when you go into church, you always want to be looking for where where is the red light, okay? That red light, that red candle, indicates that close to that is going to be that box that's called the tabernacle. We bought that tabernacle. It cost a lot, a lot of money. Thousands of dollars, actually. Thousands of dollars. You know who lives in that is the king of the universe. So even if we paid millions of dollars, it wouldn't be good enough for the house of the king. Now when you walk in front of that tabernacle, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Most of you have probably forgotten. Okay, you, you're supposed to do this. You see, with your right knee, you go all the way down to the ground. That's called a genuflection. Historically, that goes back to the Middle Ages where there was a political system was called a monarchy. Here we have democracy. Monarchy means, what does that mean? That means you've got a king or a queen who is the head of the country. So if you went in front of a king or a queen, what would you do? You would make a gesture like this. Showing great respect to that king or queen. If not... You'd be thrown into the dungeon and maybe maybe decapitated as a lack of respect for the king. So, Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So next time you walk in front of the tabernacle, you notice also in our church, on the altar there, on the altar there you're going to see something Outside, and it, I'm not a good artist, but it kind of looks like this. 
I'm not a very good artist, but. And you're going to see right here, three candles, another three candles, right? This is called the monstrance. And right here, you have the host that, the, well, that was consecrated in the Mass. And you have the candles. The candles, three candles, called a candelabra. Candelabra, in which they're ascending, as if they're pointing at the consecrated host so that we can be adoring Christ. So when you come into the church, be aware of that. Make your genuflection. Kneel down and talk to Jesus as your best friend. Even for a couple minutes. Talk to him. He's there so you can establish a, uh, a dynamic growing friendship with him. Okay, so that's where you can meet him in a very special way. It's called the real presence. The real presence. All right, let's go into ways in which we can get to know Christ. Ways in which you can get to know Christ. See the different facets of your identity. You are a son, a brother, a nephew, a grandson, okay, a Christian, a Catholic, an altar server. I mentioned about ten different facets of the identity of, of Nick. Each one manifests a different facet of the richness of his personality. So we're going to try to do the same thing with Jesus, and it'll be on a higher level, of course, because Jesus is God. So let me give you various names for Jesus. These are called Christological titles, titles for Christ. So I'm going to give you a, a whole series of names. You can see there's, there's nine, there's actually nine lines there. And so when you're going to, when you're going to get to know Christ, you can get to know him with these different titles. It's kind of like, you know what refraction is? If you take a diamond and you expose a diamond to the sun, what are you going to see? It's like, Almost like a rainbow of colors are going to emanate from that diamond. In physics, it's called refraction. Okay? Refraction means breaking into different rays. So Jesus is like a beautiful diamond. With a beautiful diamond, you can see the different beautiful colors of who Christ is. So we want to get to know him better. Right? Get to know him better. So, let's give some names. I'll give you nine, but there are many more. And let's see which one you like best. Last night I had a class with the parents, and each one expressed a different name that they really liked in these different names for Christ. So let's start with let's start with the first, and it's Jesus. Write that in there. Jesus means, as we said earlier, it means Savior. He came to save us of our sins. Jesus. Okay, the second, how about, the, how about this one? He is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And we're the sheep of his flock. Third line. 
we have two dimensions in our physical makeup. We have what is called a body and a soul. If you don't eat, you're going to be hungry. But also your your soul should be hungering. Your soul should be hungering for God. Therefore, the next title will be Jesus is the bread of life. John chapter 6. He's the bread of life. Now, the bread of life, it noted also means, it means Holy Communion in the Mass. So you should have a hunger to be able to receive that communion as often as possible. A hundred years ago, people would receive communion maybe twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Now you can receive communion every day, even twice a day. Think about that. A hundred years ago, maybe Christmas, Easter. And now we can receive, you go to Mass, you can receive communion every day, how privileged we are. Thanks to St. Pope Pius X, who allowed children to receive Holy Communion, arriving at the age of reason, seven or eight years old. Bread of life. Okay, the next, go down to the second series of lines. Uh, Jesus is our teacher. He's our teacher. There are many teachers, but the best teacher that ever lived was Jesus Christ. Greatest teacher. And if you came to the the movie, you saw the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was preaching and teaching to the multitude, thousands of people. And he taught... One of the best ways to teach are through stories. So Jesus taught by stories, and they are called parables. Parables. Parable is a an earthly story with a heavenly message. Huh? It's an earthly story about earthly reality, but there's a heavenly message. Okay, the next would be this. Jesus is the divine physician. The divine physician. He's the doctor of our body and the doctor of our soul. The divine physician. The divine physician. Where do we go to be healed? We're healed when we go to confession. There's healing of our soul when we go to confession. So when you go to communion, you're nourished, your body, your soul. When you go to confession, your soul is healed. That's true. Okay, the next name would be Jesus, write down, is the Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. 
And Christ comes from Greek and it actually means the anointed one. All right, three more to go. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Those are two Greek words which means the beginning and the end. He's the beginning and the end. The beginning of our spiritual life is our baptism. The end of our life hopefully will receive the anointing of the sick, communion and confession to end our lives. Huh? So the beginning and the end, we want God to be with us. If that's the case, we're going to go to heaven. That's why we're here. Okay, the next would be Jesus is... He is our best friend. El amigo que nunca falla. He's our best friend. If you have a good friend, you want to spend time with a friend. No time with a friend, the friendship is going to end. So the more we want to establish a deep friendship with Christ, we want to spend time with Him, and that's called prayer. Spending time with God is called prayer. All right, we got one more to go. Okay, Jesus is right down the resurrection and the life. I've come that you have life and life in abundance. The resurrection and the life. What would happen if you went to a funeral and the funeral mass was a, was for a three-year-old three child that died? Maybe there was a car accident and three-year-old died. That three-year-old was baptized. Is that happy or sad? Kind of a tricky question, I think. I think it's both. You know, a mother that loses her child at three years old is going to cry probably a lot. But uh, what happens if a three-year-old little child dies and is baptized? Where's that child going to go? Any of you know? Right to heaven. So you see the difference? If you don't believe in God, you're going to get really angry. Why did, why did that little child three years old die? How, how can that happen? It's a tragedy. But if the little child two or three years old died and is baptized, that child goes right to heaven. Right to heaven. So our faith, Catholic faith, gives meaning to suffering, right? You don't really believe. You say, wow, that's a real tragedy. That's... But they lived three years, suffered a little bit, 
Maybe died in a tragic accident, but that child is in heaven for all eternity. Wow. See, our, our Catholic life gives meaning to life. It gives meaning to the, to the sufferings and tragedies of, of our life. It gives meaning. Okay. So those are, those are ten, those are ten names for Christ that you can use when you're, when you're talking to him. Jack, what's your favorite of those ten names? Do you have a favorite? What? Teacher? Joseph, how about you? Good Shepherd. Nick, how about you? Divine Physician. Divine Physician. Rosa, you? Uh, Christ. Christ. Jeremy, you have one? Teacher. Teacher. Good. See, we have, we got ten there. We have about three different preferences of those wonderful names. So, when you, you start to talk to him, take one of those and try to develop what it means to be a teacher, a master, a good shepherd. I personally, for many years, I just like the idea of Jesus as my best friend. Now, I was brought up when I was your age, I was your age, and all of you are so happy now because you're able to go back to school after two weeks, weeks vacation. You're probably doing cartwheels of joy that you can finally return to school. No, you're you know you're jumping up and down. You're finally waiting. It's Monday. Tuesday, time to go back to school. I can't wait. No. I, mean, I really didn't like to go to school. Different than you guys. No? I mean, I was a good student. I was a pretty good student. But I really didn't like to go to school that much. I had to go because I had to go. No? But what I really did like was after school, after school, I had my friends. I play a lot of baseball. Oh, boy, I love baseball. Like you, Joseph. Man. Play, I play even in the snow at times. No? <laughs> then maybe I play football. Or maybe in a, a snowball fight. No? We were so creative that we didn't have a phone. So I, we as kids were very creative. We would create games. You know, you know a game that I created? Highest on the telephone pole. You know what that is, Joseph? So you get a snowball, telephone pole. See who can throw it the highest in the telephone pole, and you win. Okay, using your intelligence, a little bit of physics, how can you get the highest throw in the telephone pole with the snowball? So you've, you've lost the, the ability to, to, for creative thinking, these young people today. You've got to think about it. You have to take the snowball and throw it in an arc. You know what an arc is? And the ark would have to come and fall on the very top of the telephone pole. And you got it. Got it? Yeah, it had to be, you had to throw it, it would have to go in an ark. Once you throw the ark, it's going to come down from up, hit the very top, and you can't go higher than that. So I really, uh, when I was here, I really appreciate, I really appreciated my, be- I, had my I had my best friends. Oh, I, Love to go out with my friends. No? So when I think about Jesus as a friend, I think about when I was 14 or 15, how I had a lot of good friends. We go out there with 10, 5 against 5 in baseball. No? 
you know, one would have to take the center field and the right field, another one would have to take shortstop and third base, no? And we do it, we put two or three hours, no? A lot of fun with the friends, especially if we want, huh? So think about maybe, have you ever had a friend? Maybe you've never had a friend yet. Maybe one day you have a friend. Huh? And they say, my dog is my best friend. You go, go beyond your dog, okay? My cat is my best friend. Okay, go beyond the cat, okay? My dog and my cat are my two best friends. That's kind of sad. I, I have nothing against, nothing against dogs or cats. I don't. But I think having a fum, human friendship goes beyond an animal friendship. What do you think, Rosa? No? Yeah. Okay, so if you look at, look at the, the, the real joy and happiness you can have with a good friend, now multiply that a million times and Jesus is going to be your best friend. And we may fail him, but he'll never fail us. We can fail him, but he'll never fail us. Got that? Okay, next. Let's turn the page. Number four. The purpose of his coming. What was and is the principal reason for the coming of Jesus? He came to save us from the slavery of sin. the slavery of the devil, and eternal damnation, those three things. The slavery of sin, the slavery of the devil, and from eternal damnation. That's pretty important. This is a very good prayer. Do you remember in the Bible, maybe remember this passage that the apostles are in the boat about 3 o'clock in the morning and they see Jesus walking on the water. Remember that passage? And they cry out, it's a ghost! They thought it was a ghost. He said, get a hold of yourself, it's I. And then Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come out of the water, come out of the boat. So Peter lifted up his foot and he started to walk on the water. Imagine that. Walking on the water. And what happened was he lifted up his gaze and he probably saw this wave which was about to engulf him. <laughs> he started to sink. What did he say? Lord, save me. And Jesus said, man of little faith. He stretched out his hand, grabbed the hand of Peter and he started to walk. A very good prayer in our lives can be, Lord, save me. Amen? Lord, save me. Whenever you have a problem, Lord, save me. Problems with your health, Lord, save me. Problems at school, Lord, save me. Problems with the cholo, Lord, save me. Whatever problem it might be, Lord, save me. Stretch out your hand and save me. He's not deaf. He can hear us. Lord, save me. That's a great prayer. I say it many times, no? It's a great prayer. Lord, save me. So remember that when you're sinking in the waves. Lord, save me. Got that? Got it? It's a good prayer. All right, so, number five, the Gospels. Okay, Gospel, what does the word Gospel mean? In Spanish, somebody speaks Spanish, called Evangelio. Evangelio, okay? 
Evangelio. What does gospel mean? Gospel means good news. It means good news. Now the gospels are four. Last night in my class I went through the Gospel of John, and I was able to go through all of the themes of the 21 chapters. I wonder if you can do that. If you ask me any chapter in St. John, I'll tell you exactly what you have in it. Okay? I've got a pretty good memory. No? The purpose why I want to memorize all the basic themes in the 21 chapters of St. John. So let's write down the Gospels and the number of chapters. Okay, write down, the first would be First would be MT, which stands for, any of you know? What? Okay, so we start with MT. That's the Gospel of Matthew, and that has 28 chapters. The Gospel that follows is MK. Not Mickey Mouse, okay? MK. But rather, it would be, not Mickey Mouse, but Mark. How many chapters does Mark have? Mark has 16. So Mark is almost half, half of Matthew. Very short gospel. What follows is LK. Look it up, LK. And that would be Luke. And you got 24 chapters. And then you have JN. And that would be the Gospel of John, and you got 21 chapters. So you got about 90 chapters here. So if you were to read one chapter a day for three months, you would have read the whole life of Jesus from four different Gospels. Think about that. Reading a chapter every night, maybe take you five to ten minutes. So in three months, in three months you would have read the four different versions of the life of Christ. So you do that, you do that, you do that uh, in the whole year, they will have read the life of Christ four times. So after, after a year, if you have just a, a normal intelligence, you're going, to get, you're going to get to know Christ. Yeah. You got a good memory, you got a lot upstairs. So we want to try to get to know Christ. And you should all you should all have your own Bible. Do you have your own Bible, all of you? You know, you should all have your own Bible. Is there there's an American Bible here? Just to show you. You got some oh, excuse me. This is the one that we we uh, we use in um, in class. This is the Bible you should probably get called the New American Bible. Now your parents, a lot of your parents, uh, 
do your parents speak maybe more Spanish? Okay, they probably have a really lousy version of the Bible in Spanish. They have what's called America Latina. The translation is terrible. They're terrible. What they should do, your parents, try to get the Bible called Pueblo de Dios or Jerusalem. Those are really good translations. But in America Latina, the, the translation is terrible. So it's good to get it's good to get a nice Bible and have a Bible like this. You know, you open it up and you're reading a chapter every night and you, you, you read, you stop to think and you start to talk to Jesus and you put up, pull out a notebook and write down, maybe just for a minute, what was, what was the thing that really seemed to, to touch you when you're reading. You do this every day, every day for three months, you're going to be a different person. So, you all have your own Bible. You can probably get this online for maybe $8. It's not that expensive. I would get, you know, if I would do, I would get a leather bound. You know why leather bound is because the binding is very weak and it's going to fall apart. So if you want to have a Bible that's going to last maybe your whole life or going to last 20 years, get a leather bound. It's going to cost probably three times as much. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay, so... The, the Gospels. So we want to get to know Christ, read it through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 21. Got that? It's good to have those memorized, those, the number of chapters. So you can uh, see which one has the most. Okay, next. As Catholics... Where is a very prominent place that we can find the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, write down, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. I'd be thankful that you got this church here because you got, we got four to five masses every day here. Did you know that? That's a lot. I'll tell you a very interesting story. About a year and a half ago, uh, a woman living in New Hampshire, when it gets really cold, got in her car and drived about, she was driving about 25 miles to go to mass 10 degrees with the snow. 90 years old. That was my mother. <laughs> Is your mother 90 years old? Probably not, right? Can you imagine a 90-year-old old lady getting in a car, 10 degrees out there with the snow, driving to Mass because she's, she lives in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, from one church to another, it's going to be maybe 40 miles. Whereas here in L.A., it's interesting, you live in L.A., you've got your Angelinos. Every, almost every square mile you get a church. You've got Maria Goretti, what is that? You know, five minutes away, St. Irenaeus. That's five minutes away, Holy Family. That's five minutes away, St. Cornelia. So within about a five-mile radius, you probably have ten churches, right? So there's no reason why you cannot go to church. And you could even go to daily Mass, 
Uh, it would be great if you could start tomorrow to come to our 6 o'clock Mass right before school starts. Amen? Well, you can actually come at 5 o'clock to read the Bible before because we open up at 4.45. Wouldn't that be great? They come up at, at 5 o'clock reading the Bible and they go to Mass at 6 and they say the rose with Father Jerry. Ah, they're going to be gangbusters the rest of the day, right? Convert all those kids at school with the fire of God's love, huh? <laughs> I mean, they could do it if they were Dominic Savio, right? <laughs> well, maybe once a week. On Fridays, you have to make your sacrifice on Fridays, right? That could be your sacrifice on Fridays, huh? Right, Jack? Yes, Father. Okay, next. Families. This is kind of a tricky question. Is there such thing as a perfect family? It's not yours, nor mine. What do you think? There are. There are, actually, there are actually three families that are perfect. And I'm going to teach you. First is right down the, the holy family. The holy family which would be Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That's the... Okay, now here's another family. Here we go. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is that? That is the Blessed Trinity. The Blessed Trinity is a family because what is a family? It's a community of love as John Paul II defines it. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father and the mutual love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. All right, then there's one other perfect family. And what is that? Hopefully, we're all heading in that direction. I hope. Hopefully, we're all heading in that direction. Charades, huh? Heaven is a family. Didn't you know that? <laughs> El cielo. Huh? Heaven. It's a family. Hopefully we're heading in that direction. Not the other way, huh? Now, it's interesting. In heaven, you have the other two families, right? We've got the holy family. We've got the trinity. And because in, the, in heaven, what do you have? You've got simply old, old men playing harps, you know? It's not going to be boring in heaven. It's going to be a very, very joyful place. You've got the Holy Family there. You've got the Blessed Trinity. And you have the angels and you have the saints. And hopefully one day we'll be there. Amen? So those are the, the three perfect families. All right. The public life of Jesus. How long, how long did the public Life of Jesus last. So? Okay, so three years. Three years. Write that in there. So, you can write below from 30 to 33. Those would be the years that Jesus was in his public life. 
33 years. Okay, now how about the activities? The activities. In these short years, Jesus' public life, let's name the three principal activities that he carried out before his passion and death on the cross. Okay, the first would be his abundant teaching. His abundant teaching. Write that in there. Abundant teaching. You want to find where he teaches abundantly, you can go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is called, any of you know, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. His teaching was very radical. Listen to this. You've heard it say, you've heard it said in the past, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, whoever smacks you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Whoever asks for your cloak, give him your shirt as well. Whoever asks you to walk a mile, Walk two miles. You've heard it said you should love your friends but hate your enemies. But I tell you, I tell you, pray for those who hurt you and love your enemies. Wow, that's pretty pretty hard, isn't it? That's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Then he says this, You've heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. You know what that means? Don't, don't, you know, don't cheat on your wife, okay? You shall not commit adultery. But whoever looks at a woman with bad intention has already committed adultery in his heart. Wow. Jesus is raising the bar pretty darn high, right? So he's saying not only the exterior action, but even the intentions of your heart. Not easy. If I want Christ, it's not a piece of cake. You're really trying to follow Christ. It takes a long life of prayer and penance, falling down, getting up, and a lot of goodwill. But it's possible with God's help. It's possible with God's help. Yes, Jack? What's the purpose of loving the animals? It's a good question. And uh, I think the best reason why is because um, Jesus gave us the example on the cross do you remember the first thing he said on the cross? He spoke seven times. I think I mentioned this about a month ago. And I'm not saying it's easy. Do you remember what the first thing he said on the cross? I think you know. What did he say? Tomas, you know, or Nick? What was the first thing he said on the cross? You're talking about the seven last words. 
Perfect. Okay, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Probably the best answer is to imitate Christ. We're called to imitate Christ, right? I'm saying it's, I'm not saying it's easy because someone hurts you. Usually, you want to get even. Someone does you and, and does you something wrong. Usually, you're going to seek the opportunity to to get even with that person. Now, someone hurts you. Uh, there is a difference. There's a difference between liking and loving. Liking, liking. Basically, it depends upon your emotions or your feelings. We can't like everyone. Someone hurts you, really can't like. But you love him by praying for him and forgiving him. That's enough. You're praying for him and forgiving him. Even though your, your feelings may be against that person. It's hard. And you're gonna, people have hurt you. And sometimes people are very angry and resentful because... They don't forgive, but they've got resentment in their hearts. Resentment. And what cancer is to the soul, resentment is to your... What cancer is to the body, resentment is to your soul. You know, you get ulcers in your body when you have a lot of acid. So we don't want to be living with a lot of spiritual acid within our souls that's wreaking havoc within us. Okay, so the A would be Jesus was a great teacher. Letter B would be his miracles. His miracles. Can any of you mention a miracle that Jesus carried out in his life? There are a lot. You know a miracle that Jesus did? What a miracle is when Jesus does something that goes beyond the natural law. If I were to take um, take these uh, keys in my pocket and I go like this, go like this, thank you, Nick. If I go like this, I throw it up, and all of a sudden it's, it's suspended in the air. I'm going to try it again. Maybe I'll, be, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do a miracle. Let's see. Not yet. I'm going to try it again. Let's see. Uh, maybe I have to throw it up a little bit higher. Maybe it has to hit the roof first, huh? Ah, no. So what I just proved to you is called the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. Now, if those keys were to be suspended in the air, that would be a miracle. It didn't happen. Now, Jesus can sometimes suspend these natural laws and do a miracle. Why? To prove that he's God. Okay. Walking on water. Okay, now when I was your age, I played a lot of sports. I would do what, you know what water skiing is? I could water ski. Water ski, slaloming would be with one ski. So I was a pretty good water skier. (laughs) Kind of scared. It's not that hard, you know. My family, we usually at 10 years old, were able to do some water skiing, huh? But I wasn't really walking on the water. The boat was pulling me on the water. <laughs> okay. So if I were walking on the water, that'd be a miracle. Hmm? Or if your your grandmother died, and I went to your grandmother's house and said, "Hey, Abuelita, get up." She got up and she started to 
do a dance, that'd be a miracle. I brought her back to life? That's a miracle. If you were blind and I said, be open, and your eyes were open, that'd be a miracle. If you had leprosy all over your body and I touched you and leprosy disappeared. Miracle. If we didn't have enough to eat, Jeremy rose and brought in one fish, a fish sandwich, and I blessed it. There was enough for 50 of us, huh? That'd be an incredible miracle, huh? McDonald would be looking for me, huh? <laughs> so that, that, that would be a miracle. Jesus did a lot of miracles. And he said, if you, if you don't believe my words, believe my actions. Because only God can do miracles. The greatest miracle was he died and he rose three days afterward. That was the greatest, the, the resurrection. So he worked miracles to prove that he was God. And he said, if you don't believe my words, at least believe my actions. Okay, the third activity of Jesus, you're going to like this one. He did, write it down. <coughs> he did exorcisms. He did exorcism. Went to Mass today, he did an exorcism in Mass today, right? Exorcism means that Jesus would cast out devils. Yeah? Sometimes he casts out one, sometimes he casts out a huge number of devils because, you know, a lot of devils can get inside you. 10, 20, 30, 40. A whole slew can get inside you. And Jesus, with a word, come out. They'd come out, and the man would be freed. No longer devils within him. So those are the three activities of Christ. Abundant preaching and teaching, working miracles, and casting out the devils. Casting out the devils. Now this might surprise you, but we as priests... We as priests, uh, we do an exorcism every time we baptize a baby. Did you know that? In every baptism, there's a minor exorcism. It's a minor exorcism. But by being ordained a priest, I could be an exorcist because holy orders gives me the power to cast out devils. So I have the power to be an exorcist. But I'm, I'm not yet... You know why? Because the bishop has to delegate me, then I have to go through a course on exorcisms. I'm not asking to be an exorcism by, exorcist, by the way, but we have power. Like, if there's an, a possessed person, and there's 12 men here, and they take this off, and they just dress in, in a gym suit, that, that, that possessed person knows that I'm the priest even though I'm not dressed as a priest. He knows because he feels the power of holy orders. That's why lay people try to do this in this ministry of liberation. Man, I don't agree with that at all. And it's pretty common in a lot of these churches here. No? Power of healing and liberation. They're trying to do exorcism. They're not even priests. They could get into danger. Serious danger. So Jesus had the power to cast out devils. No? All right. So those are the three activities. Teaching or preaching. 
And also the next would be miracles. And the last would be exorcisms. So the definition of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God made man. This is called... This is called... I'm going to give you the simple terminology, then I'll give you a theological definition. Right? Go home and say this to your parents, they're going to be really impressed with your new vocabulary. It's called the Incarnation. Okay, here we go. Waxing very eloquent with a little bit of theology for teenagers. It's called the... Are you ready? Hypostatic... Union. Put that feather in your hat, huh? <laughs> it's called the incarnation, or it's also called the hypostatic union. So, in Jesus, there are there are two natures. What are the natures in Jesus? There is, there is the. Any of you know? You got the human nature, and then you have the divine nature. The human nature and the divine nature. Human means. You ready? Look at this. Ah. How about that? Human nature means that he is man. Divine nature means that he is God. So, as God, he always existed. But as man, when did he start to exist? Merry Christmas. On Christmas. So he started to exist as man 2,000 years ago when he was born in Bethlehem. So those are the, the two natures of Christ. The human and the divine. For that reason, that definition that Jesus is the Son of God made man, that's the best definition you have for Jesus. Short and to the point. So Jesus is truly and always Jesus is truly and always our my favorite title. Truly and always our best friend. Truly and always our best friend. So we'll, we'll leave it at that and uh, let's pray that Jesus Christ will become more and more important in our lives and that we'll do all we can to grow in his friendship. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, 
pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, without The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, uh, so thank you, Father. You're welcome. Um, Are you going to continue? Uh, so one thing real quick, you guys.